everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all enjoyed lots of turkey and stuffing. Yes, stuffing, not dressing. And I hope you just had this wonderful time to spend with your families. Today on Quirks of Creation, we are giving you guys a very special episode. Typically, Quirks or Quacks is reserved for our locals-only supporters. But because we are so grateful for you, because we love you guys so much and all that you've done for us, we are sharing our Thanksgiving special with you tonight. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, uh, please consider joining our Locals community. We have a Black Friday sale going on right now. If you use code QUIRKS and you go over to quirksofcreation.locals.com, you can join our Locals community, get all that awesome bonus content. So I highly encourage you guys to go over there and join that. And of course, just to spit one more Black Friday sale at you, We finally have our own Quirks of Creation site. If you go to quirksofcreation.com and use the coupon code Black Friday, you can check out all our new deals. We have a laminin shirt, finally, that I worked really hard on. Uh, So I hope you guys check that out. And now, please enjoy Quirks or Quacks. Welcome to Quirks or Quacks, where we, Jess and Elise, get to just sit down. Today, we're just going to look at some TikToks, find out if they're quirky, if they're quacky, what we think about them, can hear our opinions, and hopefully join in on the fun. This is much more laid back and a good time. Are you excited? I am so excited. I always love doing this with you. I mean, I love everything that we do together. Me too. But this is just like so much less formal, and we just get to enjoy the quirkiness that is the internet. And kind of parse through as to if they have a basis in reality or a basis in absurdity. So I'm here for all of it. I love it. Me too. I'm excited to see what we have going on today. I'm being our November uh, locals content. We might have some Thanksgiving stuff in there too. We'll see. Get excited. Get excited. It's going to be good. It is. So this... First one, I think you sent this one to me, right? Yep. This guy cracks me up. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Shit's getting weird. Part infinity. All right. A bunch of y'all tagged me in this video, and I was like, what am I seeing here? Uh, gross. What? Yeah. This bird? I won't spoil it, but it's. What? Oh, I saw that and I was loop. like, "What the hell is that? I don't know what that is. Never seen that before." I looked in the comments and people were saying that it's like a mosquito release cloud, and then I was like, "What's a mosquito Excuse release me. cloud?" And then that sent me down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I love when you guys. So, this is what I found. Inside boxes like these on the Florida Keys, a possible key to what scientists hope will slow an invasive and dangerous mosquito species. They're called Aedes aegypti and are known to carry diseases like Zika, Dengue, and Yellow Fever, the females spreading infection with their bites. In the Keys, they make up just about 4% of the mosquito population, but are responsible for virtually all of the mosquito-borne 
disease transmission uh, to humans. The potential solution starts at Oxitec's lab, where tiny eggs are injected with a modified DNA strain, ultimately producing mosquitoes that have what's called a self-limiting gene. Only the male offspring can survive past an early stage. The boys, unlike their female counterparts, do not bite. They run out of females to, to mate with, and that's how you bring the population down. This week. That's that's not just how you bring the population down. That's how no. you kill out a whole species. Yeah. <laughs> okay, first of all, it's always a good idea when you start messing genetically with <laughs> anything. That's always a good idea. Yeah. And second, mosquitoes are so important. Like oh they're annoying God. and obnoxious. And yes, they carry diseases that nobody wants. But like corn, for example needs that rhythmic whatever beating of the wings and the vibrations that come off of mosquitoes to grow as weird as that sounds but that's how they're pollinators they need i mean god created all of these cycles for a reason right to be perfectly balanced yeah and now you're just gonna mess with it what a good idea oh so smart it's like when they take these non-invasive species from other countries and bring them over here to try and tamp down a species that's growing a little too fast and then they become an invasive species here. It's like, why do you do this thing? Why do you mess with nature? And especially when you get all of these environmentalists up on their high horse going, don't mess with Mother Earth, man. Then they go and mess with Oh, we'll help her out. We'll help her out. And it's like, stop. Everything has a season. Everything goes in a cycle. Not every cycle is great. (laughs) But it's... Leave it alone. Literally, just leave it alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. God will sort it out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was meant to sort itself out. Leave it alone. And so, like, I get the fear of diseases. I mean, the natural fear of diseases... That has permeated our species throughout all of time. Of course. So you find solution to the disease itself, right? Instead of messing with the the creatures that cause it. Because those mosquitoes are around for a reason, right? That is their natural climate. So maybe you build nets or ways to keep them out. You create medicines as ways for treating these diseases. Not just like re-engineering all of nature, I know. And how much money and time is spent to do that alone? To right. genetically modify these mosquitoes. They just when it could no be put idea. into a better place. Oh my god. My opinion. No, you're right. That money that money could have been spent on finding better long-term solutions yeah. rather than playing dice with genetics. Because right. they don't know the long-term implications of that. That's of just not. how it's gonna affect those mosquitoes. As far as we know. But if those mosquitoes draw blood, then now you've got genetic transfer. Yep. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't remember what was left in this either. Sorry. Yeah. That was only the first minute and a half. (laughs) This obviously needs to be a whole episode of Quirks. I'm Uh, invested now. Yes. Just talking about genetically modified Oxitec began the process of releasing 140,000 male eggs in six locations along the Keys 
That is part of a live experiment greenlit by the EPA. Of course, of course, the EPA said this was okay. You talk about a worthless agency. Oh, I'm so mad. Yes. Uh, No surprise. Shocker. I'm so shocked. Mentalists are crying foul. Genetic engineered organisms are not something that we can control. Okay. Evolution will find its own way. This isn't disrupting anything within the environment naturally. We haven't seen that, no, and we're targeting the Aedes aegypti that is invasive. The company says similar projects in Brazil led to a 94% reduction of the targeted mosquito population and point out their research is peer-reviewed locally. Oh, oh, great. Your research is peer-reviewed. You looked at the fact that it reduced the mosquito population, but you're not looking at external side effects. Right. The bigger implications of not having these mosquitoes around. Right. Now, I want to see the crop yields for that year as a side-by-side. Exactly. Yes. Make those connections. Ah! Residents buzzing yeah. about benefits and risks of unexpected consequences. My gut feeling says it's probably not a good thing. That's a solid gut feeling. Talk about gut feeling. Stuff like this gives me bubble guts. Listen, I don't want to minimize science. Science is necessary when science is necessary. They just be fucking with too much shit for my liking. Genetically modified mosquitoes doesn't sound like a good thing. (laughs) Because how do you control it when it's out? Thank you. You know what I mean? In a lab, it's a controlled setting. But how can you control every aspect when it's out? I don't know. Pero tengo una preguntita. Muy chiquitita. I do have a question. (laughs) Is this specific to just that area or are they doing this all around the United States? Right. Good. Because the original video I posted, they set the location as Anaheim as well. I was seeing other videos where the helicopters were releasing mosquitoes as well in other areas. So is this going on around the U.S.? Because if so, I think they should like make a announcement. Yeah. An announcement would be nice. You know, it don't got to be nothing crazy. Just Joe Biden can go on TV and be like. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Yeah. Because I think we have a very messed up understanding of what makes a good GMO, what yes. makes a bad GMO, the difference between actually going and modifying the DNA and crossbreeding, right? Yes. Oh, so just like setting the groundwork for that. But then talking about these crazy experiments. Exactly. Oh, man. Like why it can be a good thing, why it can be a bad thing. Right. I think, and people just don't quite, you just see GMO and they're like, oh, oh terrible. You, you kind of get always. both, right? Yeah. Some or, people are like, it's the worst thing ever. Don't ever do yes. it. And then you get people who are like, it's the end all be all. We won't survive without it. It's like. True. True. Again, two things can be true. Right. In a way. Anyway. Yes. I thought you yeah. would like that one. <laughs> That was a good one. That was Yay. a really good one. Okay. Here is a more historical one. Oh, yeah. They have found the biblical cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They described these two city mounds that they had found on the Jordanian side of the Jordan River. So I'm curious, like, what destroyed these two cities that you guys think are Sodom and Gomorrah? So we get down to the destruction layer of the city that we're beginning to think is Sodom. And we pulled up a piece of pottery. But it was glazed on one side and not on the other. He sends this away to a lab in the U.S. for testing. And they come back and say, well, that glazing is trending. That glass layer that you get when you basically set off an atomic bomb in the desert and it melts the glass. This pottery was raised to over 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit for a brief moment of time. Whoa! Crazy. So so if it wasn't God and Sodom and Gomorrah, then they had atomic bombs. Right. And that's terrifying too, but (laughs) that's insane. All signs point to, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Heavenly balls of sulfur just raining down on evil people. Right. Which we could kind of compare that to the information we learned when we did our um, Clovis Comet episode and the Younger Dryas period because they found similar sort of things right in that general area where yeah. the big crater was. And the fact that they found it where they think Sodom and Gomorrah is, I, to me, that's pretty conclusive. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, oh, another piece of the puzzle. There it is. And I know you did a whole episode about that <laughs> and the sulfur balls and everything. It's- yeah. And it just all lines up, I think. There's so much more there than we realized, I don't know what got me about the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing was I had always written it off. Like it's a Bible story. There's no evidence. Never really looking into it. And then when I did, I was like, there's so much evidence that this happened. What? That one just blew my mind. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I definitely quirky. Yeah. Oh, show. All right. I have not seen this one. You recognize this one? Yes. I don't remember. Me either. <laughs> we'll we'll <Sorry>. check it out. Yay! <laughs> Watch this video with me. Matthew McConaughey is on the Joe Rogan experience. He's going to oh. talk about religion. He's also going to expose the you-know-who. Let's go ahead and watch it. And, and watch the whole thing I because just... this whole thing kind of encapsulates. I think with this one, it was more just I was kind of blown away by Matthew McConaughey's take. Oh, yeah? On religion. Um, not that I think he's anything 
that's sure. special, but we can do this one or not. It was just more of a, well, that's, that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. We can look yeah. at it and if, give us yeah. something to talk about. Right. Plates the entire idea that's going on in the mind of Matthew McConaughey. Let's go ahead and play it. Because who doesn't want to know? Am I wrong here? You are religious in some way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> and I want to I want to bring this up in this day and age when people go, no, I'm not religious. I'm only spiritual. You know what the Latin root of religion is? Re-legare. And legare means to bind together. Re means again. Well, in a world that's saying I'm only spiritual because I want unity, that's exactly what religion means. We bastardized the, the meaning of it over time, and we've excluded people, and we've corporatized it and such. But yes, I am religious. I've written a college paper called John Wayne Goes West, and it was about how, do you, how, do you, how can you be a believer in a world of science? And I remember writing things like during the making of that movie, like science is the practical pursuit of God. Okay, thank Which you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I knew there were parts of this where I was like, I like how he said that, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's like the like the pursuit of God, but the uh, trying to understand God's yeah. creative process. So maybe what he said is true. It, it's certainly not science is meant to disprove God. Right. I think a lot of the scientism and atheists get caught up on that, that we can't have a logical universe if there's a creator. Right. Like, excuse me? Yes. And I like how you had said it earlier, science is neutral. Mm -hmm. And so whether you you can use it to prove or disprove God, but even if you just like if you were to use science to better understand the world around you, how much more do you appreciate the God who, you know, you don't need it to prove him necessarily. I don't. Right. And I don't think anybody does. That's not faith. But if you, the more you understand how intricate and beautiful this world is scientifically right. and in, in any sense, but still, how much more can you appreciate the creator who created this for you? You know what I mean? It just, uh, and I mean, that's why we do this show, right? Yeah. Just looking at science and history and just seeing how amazing God is and how all of these things tie together. How could you look at it and not see God? I don't yes. know. It's like their brain isn't open enough. Uh, true. <laughs> Two are not exclusive. Uh, they, 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 they dance together. They're, they, they, they go together. Belief in science. And I never saw those as contradictions. That's part of what the reason I attacked that role and became part of that that movie. I wanted to play a person that had that point of view of a believer in a world of science, not at the exclusion of science and not at the exclusion of belief. Yeah, it's a confusing role for a lot of people. If someone is a believer and also a proponent of science, they want to know what are your literal beliefs? Are you taking the Bible at its literal word or do you use it as some sort of a guidebook of the experiences of these people that lived thousands of years ago that have been translated from multiple different languages back to English? Yep. I mean, you know, for people that go, oh, it's 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 a it's a circus book, or people that non-believers, and I'm like, well, it's still the the, the best one going. There's a lot of great. The truths best one going. That, that. Yeah. It's probably because it's the inspired word of God. But... <laughs> right. 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 Still. Still rolling. Yeah. And more and more we're finding how accurate it was too. Again, not that it matters necessarily. 
I also like to be like, ha, <laughs> that. Right? I mean, it does matter that the Bible is accurate. Historically because, accurate. Yeah, historically accurate. Just to like help the people who struggle with yeah. the faith part. And you think God didn't do that? Also understanding that people would need that too. And it's historically accurate, scientifically accurate. There are things in the Old Testament they talked about, for example, that they should not have known about at all. Oh my gosh, I know. And we're way ahead of their time in that regard without knowing it. Just talking about, or just because it's the inspired word of God. So God's like, this is how you write it. It's like, they shouldn't have known any of this stuff. Mm -mm. So anyway, tangent. It, It was a philosophy far ahead of the Greeks and the Romans before they ever even existed. Absolutely. It was a way of living that broke against the culture of the day. Yes. Because in every other culture, it was about conquest. It was about survival. It was about taking as much land as you could. Not that they didn't have to take the land that God promised them, but it was a culture that supported family that showed that, all of these things were important and that it wasn't just about doing whatever pleased the flesh. Yep. Such a contrary way of living. Yes. Just like it's such still a Still is. Yeah. yeah it still <laughs> is today. Still is. Ugh. Man, that's crazy. I do like his take. Yeah. It's an interest it's an interesting I like how he says it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so refreshing to get somebody out of Hollywood and that sphere just to speak openly about it. Yeah. Because they're really not supposed to. Mm, No, definitely not. Matthew. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, Let's try this one. Yes. They found Noah. Da, da, da. What? Okay, so this is a very interesting oh, find. Oh, did we about talk about this one? Oh, we might have. Yeah. We did talk about this one. I think we did, and we made fun of it pretty heartily. We did? Okay. Let's do this one instead. <laughs> so if anybody missed that one. Right. Go, go back and watch the last episode. Yeah. Right. Oh, Lordy, I don't Should remember Should we panic? This. What is it now? Everyone is happy. Oh. Okay. Make characters with the badge you love. Um, the lovable side character is <laughs> safe. So what's wrong? There are a hundred. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Are you sure? Yes. This is gonna be bad. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Can you just pretend the book ended here? <laughs> I related to that on a deep and personal level. I knew you would. (laughs) Pierce Brown, I'm looking at you, man. It's all your fault, Pierce. I'm going to talk like we're friends. I called PJ at one point when I was reading the latest Red Rising, which I can't remember Uh, the name of right now. because Lightbringer. Lightbringer, thank you. And I was like... There is this moment of bliss on the ship where everybody's happy and it's kumbaya for like two seconds. Right. And there was still like a hundred pages left. Yup. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. I was like, well, they're all dead. That's great. (laughs) They're not. No spoiler alerts. I'm just. 
at that point, I was like, well, this is going to be bad. This is yep. going to be awful. <sighs> so, yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> Long-time readers understand yes. the trauma. That's the thing. That's what you and I have both read similarly recently to, you know, so right. I, we both get that. But anybody who's read Anything. any fiction at all for any period of time, you know exactly it hits your soul. Yeah. Oof. Well, I'm going to have nightmares about that. Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh. Uh, GOP rep tears into Pete Butt gig over electric vehicle mandates. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Please to the tune of my, $7,500. Mr. Mr. Secretary, excuse me. Do you think that is fair for your administration to force constituents uh, to purchase these electric vehicles when they're not working, in, especially in northern Minnesota? Uh, I represent northeastern Minnesota, Minnesota's 8th Congressional District. A couple questions. What is the average, do you know the average temperature uh, in a Minnesota winter? I know it's pretty cold, but I would Well, know it's 12 degrees, although some of my constituents saw temperatures as cold as uh, 42 below last year. Mr. Secretary, how many states have an average winter temperature of below freezing? It's half the country. Does cold weather affect half. an half. EV's battery life? Yes or no? Yes, it does. How oh, much how can fascinating. an EV battery hmm. life be reduced by cold weather? Depends on the chemistry of the battery and the model Shut that you're in, up. but uh, it's a substantial percentage of the yeah. uh, EV battery life. 50% 50, 50 or more. And how long does it take for a frostbite to kick in if an individual is out in the cold? Let's say their Not EV long. has run out of battery mm -hmm. on northbound 35 between Minneapolis and Duluth. You know, I once got stuck on northbound 35. Oh, about nobody 30, cares. About 30 minutes. Yeah. It's about 30 minutes before frostbite. Uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, you know the average income household in the district that I represent, you probably don't, so I'll tell you, it's $69,000. And do you know what the average price of an EV vehicle is? Uh, sure, I pulled the latest numbers. The uh, models are starting around $30,000 for sedans. They're getting into the 40s. For According things. to Kelly Blue Book, the average price for electric, the average price for electric cars was over $53,000. See, he says 30,000, like that's an affordable car. Yeah, just On 30. Planet is that affordable for middle-income families, much less lower-income families. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can afford that. Nobody can afford that. We also don't have the system in place, like Europe, for example, to not have a vehicle in most places in America. Right. You know, like trains, subways, it doesn't matter. Any mass transportation, most of America does not have right. that to set. So even if you made this a oh, tangent, but even if you made this what somebody had to do so nobody could have a car. Right. You're not getting anywhere. It's so incredibly frustrating because the higher ups here want us to be Europe. We are literally too big of a landmass yep. to be Europe. There's no you way. can get to all kinds of different places in Europe and the time it takes you to get across the state of Georgia. Right. Like it's insane. Right. Yes. So dumb. It does not work on scale. The infrastructure no. is not there. Anyway. Not to mention people who have to commute. Like I have to drive yes. an hour to work every day. Lots of people commute long distances to their jobs so they can live in rural communities where we, I don't know, actually have community instead of being surrounded by crime and drugs all day long. Weird. <laughs> yeah. 
You're aware that they start closer to 30, right? My constituents would have to work a full year to pay for this unreliable car and would barely have enough life over to, uh, left over to care for their family. What is the average median income of a single individual EV buyer? It's $150,000. As of when? It's $150,000. As of when? Uh, I'm just asking because that number is going down each passing year. This month. Uh -huh. This month. Boom. How much of a taxpayer-funded yeah. subsidy is given to those high-income earners to purchase their EV? As you may recall, the Inflation Reduction Act was uh, set in such a way that there was an income cap on how you could benefit 70, from it. So that the wealthiest people are not able to take advantage of that. But we do wish we had your support Mr. lowering you, the cost. Mr. Secretary, would you agree it's $7,500? Second. Would you agree it's $7,500? $7,500 is the maximum credit that is eligible. Maximum. And you think that making right. for the elites for working families to the tune of $7,500? Mr. Mr. Secretary, excuse me. Do you think that it's fair for your administration to force constituents uh, to purchase these electric vehicles when they're not working, in, especially in northern Minnesota? Well, the premise of the question is false because we're not forcing anybody to purchase any technology. Can you refer this to that? This is such political BS. Yeah. I'm not forcing you to do it. You just can't have the alternative. Right, right. You have a choice. You just don't have a good choice. Right. <laughs> you don't have a... <laughs> uh, realistic choice. Right. Yeah. Good. And we spent a whole episode yes. going into why electrical vehicles are just absolutely atrocious for the planet. So I'll, I won't go into that. But he goes into it. Oh, does he? Oh. He does. At the end of this, he even goes into that. And that's why and that's why I sent this yeah. to you too, was we had talked about this. You had gone into great detail about this and the ramifications of all of this BS. This video for me personally is hard to watch because I hate, <laughs> I'm terrible, but I hate the bickering and like the back and forth and the like, right. no, you shut up. No, you shut up. But I do think uh, the secretary gets owned in this and he makes a, mo a point about the environment too. And I'm just like, yes. Stick it to him. <laughs> really Any stick it to him. <laughs> policy that forces by 20, anybody to by, 20, 30, by 2035, you want two-thirds of America's, uh, Americans to uh, be using electric vehicles. They don't work uh, in northern Minnesota in the cold weather today. And I want to just share something with you. Um, Mr. Garamendi, uh, and I agree with him, by American. Uh, last July, you sat in that same spot. Uh, and answered our questions. And I told you about uh, a concern that I have with uh, child here we go. labor mm -hmm. in the Democrat Republic of the Congo. And I told you that we could mine these critical minerals needed for EVs in the district that I represent under the best labor and environmental standards in the world. Thank you. Yep. Well, you and the administration went ahead with an MOU with the DRC in January of this year well-documented child slave labor in the DRC. Makes me sick. Hardly any environmental standards. Mm -hmm. And your administration chose to enter MOUs with a Congo where 15 of the 19 mines are owned by the communist country of China where they use slave laborers. It's unbelievable that you chose other workers over the American worker. And it's unbelievable that you won't allow my, you and your administration won't allow mining here in Minnesota uh, and uh, out of the sight, United out States. Of mind.
Yep. Your Secretary of Energy, uh, uh, Secretary Granholm, came to the Western Caucus, and I happened to ask her. I said, oh, you know Granholm. the only her. nickel mine uh, in the United States today? She couldn't answer that. Do you know where it is? No, I don't. I'm shocked. It's in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, the, the Eagle Mine. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the gold standard. And she's our energy secretary. And do we need nickel, cobalt, and copper for these electric vehicles as we transition? The answer is yes. We need to mine here in America with America miners, American labor. We can do it. The biggest copper nickel find in the world. And your administration just banned it. Union labor, Mr. Secretary, that we want in your administration took the union labor off mining. And not only in northeastern Minnesota, uh, but across this country. Because today, this administration, they cannot give one example of allowing a mine to be opened in this country. And I yield back. Honestly, good for him. Yeah, uh, He was succinct. <clears throat> he presented his thoughts thoroughly. I mean, just to have... Pete Buttigieg have to stare at the fact that he chose child slave labor over highly regulated labor in America is insane. Where Americans could be making money and under wonderful environmental protection. Exactly. Uh, just uh, he get he hit all the points I think so well, and I know that one was really long and whatever, but it's a big issue, and we had talked about it. Yeah, and he just hit all the. Just hit the nail on the head so succinctly, like you said. So perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, if you guys missed that, go check out our Real Truth About Climate Change episode because that was hard. And I yeah. recommended a documentary uh, in that episode, which we should do a watch party of that. It'd be that a be hard a one. watch, but I think. Good as in necessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, All right. Maybe something a little Yeah, a little lighter, lighter now. <laughs> Here's a super fun, lighthearted fact to brighten your day. So the abyssal zone, which is the bit Ooh, of the ocean, ocean that is so deep it's in complete darkness because oh, the light yeah. can't even get through the water, is 83% of the total area of the ocean and 60% of Earth's surface. Oh, wow. That's right. Over half the entire planet is in complete darkness all the time. Here's all the an time. bonus fun fact for you all. The square cube law, which is basically the thing that stops animals being able to grow infinitely large because they can only <coughs> get to a certain point before they just collapse under their own weight, that doesn't apply underwater. Oh, good. Oh, Taking these two facts together, what we've learned today is that over half of the whole surface of the Earth, which is in complete darkness all the time, is home to creatures that can theoretically grow pretty much as large as you can imagine. If that doesn't break right my day, <laughs> yeah, just something to think about. Yeah, <laughs> as you're lying in bed trying to go to sleep, it's not like they're going to come out of the ocean and get you, true. right? Right, right. God, I hope not. Right, they're not going to Godzilla us. And just Sharknado, <laughs> Sharknado. Haven't seen it, but what a great idea. <laughs> So comforting that the square cube law doesn't apply to ocean dwellers. Oh, I didn't realize that. That explains I mean, it makes sense. why, like, uh, the phantom jelly, that really big one that's, like, all ribbony and is, like, could eat a thousand buses or whatever. I know we talked about it during the yes. ocean episode. It was so long ago now, though. That was it's a good just one, too, so though. big. So big. So big. But it creeps me What's going to stop? I mean, if it can continue to sustain the calories it needs or whatever. Right. 
If the square cube law doesn't exist, then what's going to stop it? I just always wonder what's going through God's mind when he's making things like this. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make a jellyfish. Make it big. Make Make it it extra big. Yeah. I don't want you guys swimming too deep in the ocean. So here you go. Here's monsters for you. monsters down there. Hide the monsters in here. You guys said it on that episode because I wasn't on that episode. Abby was doing it with you. And NASA originally was right. Just like working to discover what was in the ocean. And then they're like, you know what? Let's go to the moon. Yeah. They're like the moon. The moon sounds good. Let's go to the moon. Let's let's work on space. I don't want, I don't want to work in the ocean anymore. Can't say I blame them. No, nope. Nope. The ocean be weird. The ocean be weird. Not my fave. Here we go. Yeah. And dragons and dinosaurs. Yes. (laughs) The fact that this was discovered hiding under a painting during a renovation of a cathedral in Naples says it all. Another sloppy cover-up of our true past at work. I think they tried to cover up giants and dragons, griffins, and a lot of other creatures. Yet they did such a sloppy job, they just ended up calling them mythical creatures. But isn't it odd, the Chinese zodiac has Has all creatures but one. And the fact that so many of our cultures all across our realm share the same depictions of dragons much like they do giants and many other creatures these artists drew exactly what they saw yep yep Uh, i don't think it's a coincidence that we have dragon you can still find some mud fossil remains like here's the dragon head cave in egypt oh I haven't seen that one. This world is vastly different than what we've been told it was. And why cover up dragons? The same reason why they lied to us about all of our history. Those unaware of their true past and their true origins are all that much easier to control. Perhaps dragons explained some of those melted castles. And just look what our old dictionary said about dragons. Now rare. Our old, now rare. As if they weren't not not non-existent, just right. rare. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's so much to this that we'll probably never know. Yeah. But I just find it fascinating. I just wonder what the motivation is behind it. He says it's a way to control people, but like, how do you get? control of people just by them not knowing about dragons like how is my life markedly different if I knew that dragons once existed right it was kind of in my I think of it this way sometimes it's like either we can cover them up Mm -hmm. or they could have been a thing that just doesn't exist anymore and I think they went the cover-up route right Rather than okay, so like for whatever the motivation is to hide dragons, right? Um, you have to either make it less than what it was. So if you're like, oh, a dragon was just this big serpent, for example, right? Uh, that really was just a pest more than anything, which is what is said some places. Um, or you try and cover it up entirely again. I don't know the motivation, but I feel like it's been botched. <laughs> yeah. Like they couldn't decide which way to take it. 
So they, they, did they both. tried to do both. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's just like even more obvious, I yeah. think, that this that was, was a big deal. Part. Yeah. Again, I couldn't I, tell you why, but. The only thing I could think of is it's a means to deny the spiritual because dragons are so intimately connected with religious practices in all of these cultures. So there must be a common thread between the connection of the spiritual and dragons. Is it a manifestation of some kind of the spiritual world? Mm. I don't know. That might be getting too, too much too far with it, but I don't know. But it there is something out. to it. Maybe there was a, I'm going to sound silly, but maybe there was a magic there to it or a ritual to it or something to it. Right. Two dragons to their existence or, a, a like I said, a ritual, a sacrifice, something. Right. I definitely we- think we always poo-poo magic ever existing, but the spiritual world exists. Right. And magic is just, we just call it science now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, they're the same thing. It's yeah. the manipulation of matter to yeah. provoke a certain outcome. And if the spiritual world and the physical world are so deeply intertwined, all you have to do is perform a chemical experiment, right? Right. X plus or A plus B equals C, yep. right? Yep. To get your desired outcome, if that means you're doing a certain ritual to provoke a certain entity to do something, we know demons exist. Yeah. Is it possible that they took on the shape of dragons to be worshipped? I could see that. I could see that for sure. Yeah. And it could have been that extreme. It could have just been a survivor of the flood or, or right. dinosaur of some sort. I don't know. But I. either way. Right. Why can't we know about it? Exactly. Just like the giants. Why can't we know about it? Right. Another thing that was so prevalent in all of our myths and all of our cultures and literally the Smithsonian covered it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can make the argument also that the Vatican has tried to cover it up. Not to blame the Catholic Church, just just the the Vatican. The Vatican has some sketchiness going on in it and... Not to blame Catholics because Catholics can't help what the Vatican does. Not everyday Catholic. No. So I was raised Methodist, and you can definitely point at the Methodist Church and say lots of right. I was raised Baptist, and the SBC is just like we don't talk about them anymore. We don't talk about that exactly. But anyway, I think it has been covered up by a lot of big places big names you know throughout history right to what end i don't know is it better that way i don't know why is it better not to know and if you're in it for the pure scientific or the pure archaeological pursuit of the thing absolutely why don't you want other people to know what you know Mm mm-hmm I could dwell on that. All day. I know we could. I could classify. Love that word about that all day. But oh, this one is it creepy? This one's weird. But I wanted to get your take on it. So okay. yeah. One of the most interesting parts of psychology to me is the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley refers to our emotional response to something that appears human. At the bottom mm. of the graph, we have robots that don't really have a strong resemblance to people, and because of that, we don't really have a naturally high affinity towards them. And then at the peak of the graph, you have other people. Humans are very social creatures, so naturally most of us desire to form bonds with others. 
The uncanny valley more specifically refers to this dip or valley in the graph. Right. The graph is steadily right. going up. So objects bearing a greater resemblance towards people, we have a greater affinity towards until it looks very similar to a regular person, but not quite. And then we just have this massive dip where not only do we not have an affinity towards the object, we naturally want to avoid it. For example, this doll vaguely resembles a baby and most people would find this cute, but a lot of people find ah. puppets very unsettling because yes. they look much more mm -hmm. similar to a person. The really interesting part is we're not actually sure why our brains do this. Because obviously as humans, we've collectively evolved this trait and evolution doesn't just happen. There has to be some sort of external stressor causing it, still, which means right. that at some point during our evolution as human beings, it became beneficial to us to be able to recognize things that look almost human, but aren't. And not only recognize them, mm. but instinctually mm. want to avoid them. Some people yes. think that there might've been some sort of predator that evolved to look human that we haven't discovered yet in our fossil record. I think that's a little far-fetched, but predators that look like humans do remind me of something. Psychopaths. Psychopaths are incapable of feeling right. empathy. And because they don't have empathy and they process emotions so different than we do, their eyes are described as being very cold, almost reptilian. Now, again, this is just my own personal theory, but a great example for this would be Ted Bundy. Right. Now, it could yes. be because we already know what he's done, but he just looks off-putting. He doesn't look like a regular person. And it gives me the exact same feeling <gasps> I get when I look at examples of the Uncanny Valley. Right. Actually, that's really interesting that he does the serial killer example. Yeah. Because so often... I. It's always after the fact, right? Of course. People say, that person always made me feel uncomfortable. That person made me feel unsettled. But we know this in our real lives, too. Like, you could just walk across a stranger and just have this deeply unsettled feeling like, I don't want to be around this person. Yep. There's something wrong. Yep. And you're just like, okay, I'm not going to be around them anymore. Yeah. I was always really grateful growing up because my mom was very much of the belief like if you have a gut feeling about it go with it yeah like don't question especially for the most part with people right like if you have a gut feeling that something's wrong something isn't right i don't care who it is what it what just go with it mm -hmm. like i don't care about you being polite at that point right and we never used that as an excuse to be impolite but it was always i liked that because i do think there's something to that your soul feels it mm -hmm. Especially these kinds of situations. And yeah, like with a serial killer, you're right. People come back and be like, there was always something, you know, just right. not right. Couldn't put my finger on it, whatever. I don't know. So, but also I liked what, you know, he's going into evolution, of course. But I also like what he said about things that are so close to looking human. Mm -hmm. But aren't quite. But aren't quite. And we have this natural instinct to like. Mimetic memory is a thing. I so, I mean, we see that in like the deer that won't go near the area where the Berlin Wall used to yes. exist, right? So I could believe that in our genetic history, even if you don't believe in all of evolution, you can at least believe in microevolution and yes. that this certain trait was recent enough in our genetic past yep. that we were trained to feel it. We remember. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, mm. I think there's a, there's more to it than that. Something in our soul, something in our DNA remembers. It was so traumatic, mm -hmm. whatever it was at whatever time. Almost so traumatic that God flooded the whole earth. Weird. Weird. Because it was so bad. So bad. Yeah. So. <laughs> the Uncanny that. Valley is just a, a, I think it's just a fascinating. 
it's going to get worse as AI technology oh. just explodes everywhere. Because have you seen yes. like those AI images of what's going <clears throat> on in Israel right now? It's like you can't know right. what the truth is. And the AI is getting so good. There's still a little bit of the uncanny valley left, like the six fingers and like the misshapen faces that yeah. are human, but like the eyes it's are off. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's weird. But it's getting better and that's terrible. It's scary. Yeah. I, someone posted the other day that it's going to be harder to know what's true when it comes to like the international wars and things like that. Absolutely. So we're not going to know how to like relate to other people who don't live in our immediate vicinity. And I think we already find it so hard to relate to other people as it is. Just in general, yes. <laughs> it's going to get so bad. It's going to get bad. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's why we need community, folks. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we love you guys. You're the Yay. best community. This is an awesome community. I love it. it. I swear there's going to be some happy ones. <laughs> yeah, towards the end, we'll try and cheer everybody up. I swear. I swear. <laughs> All right. What do we got here? Oh, I think I Have remember you heard this of the too. Russian scientist who injected himself nope. with a 3.5 million year old bacteria? For fun? For science. Oh, okay. So this Russian scientist named Dr. Rothstock digging in the <sighs> permafrost in Siberia. They discovered this bacteria that was so far down, it was still living. But oh, they no. tested this bacteria on mice, plants, and the mice and plants lived way longer, and the crops oh. didn't die as fast when it was cold outside. They're calling it the elixir of life. They're saying that this thing could contribute to people, animals, and plants all living longer than they should. There's a town pretty close to where they found this bacteria. The people live way longer than all the other people in the region. So he was basically like, I want to try it on myself. And he said he hadn't had a cold or flu in two years since injecting himself. It got me thinking in the Bible times how they lived 900. Nuts. You wonder if like that is a Could you imagine? bacteria from Dude. the first days well, of creation. Are you taking that bacteria? I would take it. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I'm like that girl. No way. No yeah. way. You're giving me I was like, that. what's the catch? What's the catch here? Um, First and foremost, I just like those guys. Yeah. Uh, Whose name I can't remember. Butterflies. Thank you. Yes. Um, No Nope, I'm not trying to promote anything right. here. I've I just never like heard of them guys. before, but now I'm going to have to check them out because that was like really interesting. Yeah. And I love this idea that perhaps it was a bacterium that prevented aging because one of the things that causes aging is like the unraveling of your genetic code mm -hmm. at the telomere sites. And so if you had a bacterium that could prevent the unraveling of the telomeres, you'd live, you'd live a very long time fascinating isn't that crazy where did they say it was china or yeah. I missed, okay i did too i we're so good at Doesn't paying it. attention yeah but i get the gist of it ice yes yeah um i just found that absolutely fascinating and i wonder if if anything more will come from that or if it'll just kind of I almost away. fear that something more will come of that because people have been in pursuit of yeah, eternal life. Eternal life since the beginning of time, right? Yeah. Since yeah. the Garden of Eden. Forever, yeah. So if perhaps our new tree of life is not a fruit, but perhaps a bacterium. Right. That's scary. That is scary. 
But also, he just took it. Like, he's like, ah, I'll shoot myself up with this. <laughs> it's not it's not unheard of in science for, like, scientists with a new whatever to just inject themselves with it. It's not common. It's, no, it's not common. Not common, but also not unheard of. But at the same time, it's like, man, you are ballsy. <laughs> who is that guy who thought he found the Ark of the Covenant and he's just, like, a crackpot? Uh, Ron Wyatt. Yeah, that seems like something Ron Wyatt would do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this looks good. I'll inject myself with it. Uh-uh. <laughs> right. Uh. It's like, I understand sacrificing yourself. No, I don't. No, I don't. Like, there's Mm-mm. a noble sacrifice, and then there's stupid sacrifice. And that yeah. is... He's lucky, Yeah, I think, in this case, that nothing bad happened to him. Right. Yeah. Because don't, it doesn't always. Nine times out of ten, I'd say that's just not going to. PSA, do not inject yourself with weird bacteriums. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. If you didn't know, there was this study that was recently done on what happens to you when you read the Bible. Now, this was a study that was done from eight-year-olds to 80-year-olds over a significant portion of time, and they studied a lot of people, and the findings will shock you. If you read your Bible one time a week, there honestly wasn't much change, and if you read it twice a week, same deal. Your life didn't change that much. Not that it wasn't impactful, but it wasn't that significant for the study. Three times a week, there was a little blip on the radar, like some things started changing your life. But if you started to read your Bible four times a week, listen to these statistics, Your loneliness goes down 30%. Your anger goes down 32%. Your bitterness in relationships with your loved ones goes down 40%. Alcoholism goes down 47%. Feeling spiritually stagnant goes down Mm, 60%. And watching porn goes down 61%. Which, by the way, if that's your struggle, I put together a free guide in my bio for four ways to manage your porn struggle. Check that out. But the message is clear. The Bible changes your life. And there's something like 91% of Americans have a Bible in their home, but only 12% of them read it daily. Oh, read that's God's living word every single day and watch your life change because it will. Those are some awesome stats. Yeah, I liked those stats a lot. And I know, I'm not sure when, when we'll officially air this, but I know you're going to talk about gratitude too mm-hmm. and the effects it has. So I just thought like, It's a good connection. There are good things to do. And I mean, we talked about like mental health in a previous episode anyway, and how we're trying to fill our mental health void with pills and entertainment and just like anything except God. But the only thing that fulfills, the only thing that suffices is God. Yeah. That God-shaped hole when you fill it. It's amazing what happens. With when you actually fill it with the thing that belongs there. With what belongs there, yeah. Right. Yes. So uh, just more evidence of that, I guess. Uh, I love uh, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for the conversation we're gonna have about mindfulness and gratefulness yes. and all of these things that again, people are just grasping at straws to fill that hole with anything. Fill the void. But God. Yep. Absolutely. That's gonna be a good one. So read your Bible, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> 
which I, <laughs> I feel that conviction because I have Bibles all over my house. And do I read my Bible every day? No. Right. Right. I, I teach at a Christian school and I don't read my Bible every day. Right. That's I'm, probably a terrible thing to admit. No, but that's honesty. And that's the thing is like that. I love that. I love that you're honest because I'm, I'm going to be honest too. Yes. I have Bibles all over my house too. Do I read it every day? No. Do I have an excuse? Well, sure, but no. It's not I a really good excuse. Don't. Yeah. I can BS you all day long, but it's not a good excuse. So Even like you don't have to just sit there and like read for hours and hours. No. Just a little bit. Uh, I found that listening to it on audiobook has really, really helped me with that aspect because I'm just so much better at yeah. digesting things auditorily. Is that yep. a word auditorily? Yeah. 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 Through audio. Auditory. <laughs> audit, audit, yes. Yeah. Through your ear holes. Yeah. My ear holes like knowledge a lot better. Probably because I'm yes. blind or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I find. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I just drive so much. That's my lame excuse, right? So but that listening works. to something on audio just works out. Yeah. True. I drive a lot too. So it's like if I, that's when I squeeze in my reading time. Right. But um, you and I were saying before we started this that like sitting still is torture. Oh, it is such torture. And so to sit and read your Bible, yes, it's great. But I also like if I, and I'm sure there's plenty of evidence out there, like you're not actually retaining anything if you're doing something while you're listening. I would argue that all day long personally but like if I can move and listen to it I do retain things better I yeah I was actually gonna say I think there is that muscle memory association between attained knowledge which is why I emphasize that people should take notes Yep. Because you're developing that muscle memory. You are doing an yep. act while you are trying to absorb knowledge. And there is a deep connection between our brains and our physical motion, which this is actually one of the things I really appreciate about what Catholics do because they do so much with their bodies and yes. their spiritual practices. Yes. And that is something I wish I had as a Protestant because we just don't do much. We try and just like internalize it. Yep. We don't actually do lots of things with the symbolic side of our bodies. And right. I can see the deep, deep connection between our bodies and our spirits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I like that a lot because you're right. It's, you sit still and take it. And <laughs> not that that's bad, but it's right. just, I wonder what difference that does make. I was in college, when I was in college, the, I would take notes while I was listening to, you know, the lecture. Right. And I would never look at my notes. Like, it's so silly. I would, but I wouldn't. For the most part, I retained everything because I could sit there and take the notes, but listen. Right. And so my notes were more like, oh, yeah. And then I like a blurb and then like, oh, yeah, I remember the whole thing. I don't know. Just a weird way brains. That, that's why notes are so good. It's yeah. not because you necessarily have to go back and look at it later, but because it helps you build those stronger neural connections yep. while you're in there in the moment. Yep. Absolutely. So if you listen to your Bible and take notes too, that could be super beneficial. 
I'm going to try that now. I actually, <laughs> that yeah, so dumb, but of, it's not so dumb because usually like if I'm doing like a sit down Bible study, I usually have my Bible open and I'm writing yes. down what I'm reading. But I bet if I did my audio Bible and wrote down what I was listening to, that would be even better. Right. I, uh, had somebody who used to like tease me about not paying attention in church because I was always writing. And it's like, no, I'm, I promise I'm paying better attention with this. <laughs> Again, that's just me, but yeah, uh, that's how I am too. I almost envy the people who can just sit and like really deeply absorb without doing anything. Agreed. I'm just not one of those people. Nope. Like, how do you do it? What is, what am I missing? <laughs> Probably a lot, but still, I don't <laughs> It is what it is. We're all built different and we all have different ticks. So knowing just how your brain works and what jives with you, as long as you're still getting the word in, in some capacity and you're trying to make that connection to God instead of just focusing on yourself all day long, which is so hard. I get it. It's so hard. Absolutely. I struggle with it so much. It's, but you feel so much better when you do. Human nature. Yeah. And then it's it's also like working out, like you just don't want to do it. And then after you do it, you're like, oh, yeah, that was so great. Why don't I do this more often? Right. It's habits. It's habits. Yep. Exactly. Habits so. are hard. So I'm joking and calling everybody heathens, read your Bibles more. But truth is, it's... Calling myself a heathen. I'm calling myself out too. Yep. So. <laughs> so there we go. I think it's time for some cheery things. Yeah. Some Thanksgiving fun. We'll lighten it up around here. Yeah. Yes. With some fake science. Fake science. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I thought she was shirtless. <laughs> you thought she was shirtless. <laughs> Elise. What is wrong with me? Bonk. Bonk. You guys. I, She's uh, broken. I told myself, like, no inappropriate jokes today, Elise. She couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Darn it. But she has a nude sweater on and the she turkey does. is and the over. turkey is like on. primarily located. It's it's something else that's wrong with me. And keep going. Let's learn <laughs> okay. about turkey. Let's learn about turkey. Why does turkey make you sleepy? With Thanksgiving around the corner, I'm here to answer that question with science. The myth surrounding why turkey makes you feel sleepy is all because of a compound called tryptophan. Turkey contains tryptophan, an essential amino acid that our bodies can't make and must consume in food. And our bodies use tryptophan to make serotonin, a chemical that makes you feel happy and relaxed. But the question is, does turkey contain enough tryptophan to produce this much melatonin, and is it actually traveling to the part of the body where this all takes place? And the short answer is no. Uh, Believe it or not, foods like chicken and milk actually contain more tryptophan per serving than turkey. And as for entry into the brain, tryptophan, a really bulky molecule, has a hard time entering the brain because of something called the blood-brain barrier. This acts as like a bouncer at a club, letting certain things in. And so really only small amounts of tryptophan can actually enter the brain. And so the question is, why do you feel sleepy after you eat a big Thanksgiving dinner? And the answer lies in the carbs that go along with it. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I was I'm gonna so say glad family, you but... actually said the real thing. It's the carbohydrates. It's you the just bulked up. You're having an insulin spike. Of course you're tired. How many rolls did you eat? A million because they're delicious and stuffing and all stuffing i am a sucker for some good stuffing slathered uh, in gravy yes so hungry now yes and homemade homemade stuffing every day oh, yes. hands down every time i don't care nothing beats it yep uh, i'm ready i'm ready for stuffing and gravy oh, good gravy 
But I am glad she kind of yes. debunked the tryptophan myth because that was such a thing when I was a kid. Everyone yes. was of the tryptophan. Who's the turkeys making you sleepy? No. Right. It's not. It's not. All right. Here we go. Some more Thanksgiving Let's see what facts to say. Thanksgiving facts you didn't know. The day after Thanksgiving is the busiest day of the year for plumbers, and it's not why you think. And while this oh. is a contributing factor, people are pouring oil down drains, that solidifies, there's chicken skin, oh. and a bunch of other things going into the disposal. Jingle Bells was originally a Thanksgiving song. It was originally titled One Horse Open Sleigh and was meant for Thanksgiving, not Christmas. However, when it was reprinted, yeah. it was purposed for Christmas. Americans will eat about 50 million pumpkin pies, and each pumpkin pie has about 3,800 calories, meaning that's about 190 billion calories in pumpkin pie. There's a huge myth that turkey is what makes you sleepy on Thanksgiving, but that's not actually the case. Tryptophan is what people think makes you sleepy, and that's found in turkeys. I'm so glad people are recognizing which promotes relaxation and sleep. But the amount of tryptophan in turkey is about the same as chicken, and it even has less than pork chops, so it's time to stop blaming tryptophan. Any big meal will make you sleepy. Especially any big carbo loaded meal. Yes. Sleeping. Absolutely. Sleepy. Yeah, that. <laughs> English is hard. Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, crazy, you know, fact I don't like pumpkin pie. <gasps> I know. Blaspheme. I know. Ugh, you I like apple pie, pie better? Yep. Apple, apple pie. Is really good. I think it's texture more than anything That's with pumpkin fair. pie. But. You also can throw a buttload of whipped cream on it, and then I'd be like, I don't care what's under here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, snap. As soon as I said it, I was like, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> I don't like pumpkin pie. Moving on. <laughs> I like apple pie with a good old, like, all warmed up with a dollop yeah. of vanilla ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So good. Do you know some people eat it with, like, melted cheese? Yes. It. That's weird, this. right? I think so. I mean, I I understand to an extent like cheese right. and apples together is good. I just like you have a charcuterie board and you get all fancy and you have your apples and your cheese. You want your sweet and your salty, I get it. Yeah. But, but like, in a pie, I don't know. I just don't know if I can do it. That's so weird. It's weird. I don't know. People be weird. People be weird. But also like my grandpa puts applesauce and milk over his uh, brownies, so surprisingly delicious. I don't know. I have questions. I know. Why? Another weird mixture. I don't know why. I don't know how that started, how that became a thing. But it's definitely a thing in my family to put applesauce and milk over a brownie now. And it's surprisingly delicious, so. Do you maybe? like just eat? Like cereal, or you mush it up and mix it together, or like eat it like cereal. Just cut little brownie in the. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. But maybe cheese and apple pie would be good too. Then I don't know. (laughs) Can you trust my taste buds anymore? Probably not. So (laughs) I think I lost any credibility I might have had. R.I.P. Elisa's credibility. (laughs) It's gone. See ya. This will blow your mind. Did you know that 88% of Americans eat turkey for Thanksgiving? Which means to keep up with demand, over 532 turkeys are killed every single second. So, that means in the time it took you to watch this video, over 8,000 turkeys were just butchered. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. That's so nice. I know. (laughs) But hey, that's that's where your turkey comes from. It looked like that before. 
Right. I mean, at least that's being honest. I think we should have an appreciation of where our food comes from. Yep. That way there's not this weird dissociate. The weird humanization of animals is so bizarre to me in our culture. Don't get it. Mm -mm. And, And if you don't, how cruel are you? Right. It's like. Yeah. We, God put us here to be stewards of the earth. So we should definitely care for the animals here. Like, especially the pet thing I get, like your dog, your cat, what those are specifically animals meant to be companions. Yes, absolutely. You shouldn't humanize those either. No. Calling them your babies is kind of weird. Thank you. (laughs) Agreed. But then the humanization of farm animals, which are literally bred and kept for food It's really bizarre. Yes. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, so my dad has a turkey farm that my sister and brother-in-law, brother, run with him. And so I get involved, especially like this month, I'm going to be very involved in helping them because it's a busy time. And I can tell you that those turkeys, number one, are so stupid. I'm sorry. (laughs) Those birds are so stupid. Not that that makes – not that they should – be treated cruelly because they're stupid. I'm just saying it doesn't take a lot to please these birds. Like they have an open pasture where they get to run around, eat the alfalfa and clover that's growing on the ground. Also they're being fed good food. They're happy. They're healthy. If you let these birds get too old, it is the square cube law. They get too big and they just start collapsing under their own weight. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. All I can say is, it's not my favorite part to process the bird, but it makes me appreciate so much more where everything comes from. Yeah. Hunting is a big deal in my family too. And that's another like big part of it. You just appreciate so much more. And you also appreciate the animal and understand the animal right. because you're trying to give it a good life while like farming. Right. A good healthy life. So you have good healthy meat or eggs or whatever, milk, whatever. Right. So anyway, I don't know. My tangent, I'll always. It's such a good tangent, though, because as we've moved away from an agrarian society, we've lost our appreciation for where our food comes from. We think it comes from the guy at Walmart. Right. It comes from the store. We just have no appreciation for the things that we put in our bodies. And that's probably why our association with food is just so bad across the board, whether you are over consuming or under consuming. We just have so much waste here because we think food just falls off trees now. Right. Exactly. Speaking of food falling. Exploding turkeys. Exploding turkeys. I'm excited. Have you ever wondered why turkeys sometimes explode when they're deep fried? Thanksgiving happened last week in the U.S., and every year, millions of dollars of damage, trips to the emergency room, and even deaths occur from people deep frying turkeys for Thanksgiving. Have you done that? The vast majority of these guys... I haven't, but my dad has, and it's a process. I believe it. I've never done it either, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's It's delicious. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Worth every bite. Right. The oil's just so expensive. Yeah. And then what do you do with it afterwards? Well, don't put it down the drain. (laughs) You'll call the plumber. (laughs) Who is putting oil down the drain? 
I don't insane. Know. Like I when don't you know. clean your pan at home, you wash it down with gobs and gobs of soap. So you break up the oil molecules so it doesn't clog up your sink. You're really not supposed to pour it down your sink to begin with. Yeah, anyway. Wipe it out, throw it in the trash. Ah! I know. Come on! Accidents happen because people put frozen turkeys into boiling oil and they explode. Yes. This is because of the differences in density between oil and water, and also the density differences between the different states of water, solid, liquid, and gas. Density is how much an object weighs at a given volume. Water is more dense than oil, that's why oil floats on top of water. All meat contains a lot of water, <laughs> and frozen turkeys contain a lot of ice. The oil for deep frying is kept hotter than the boiling temperature of water, so all that ice turns into steam really fast. This transition isn't an issue at the surface of the oil, but when the turkey is submerged, the volume of the water molecules expands 1,700 times and all the gas wants to rise to the surface. This is what causes the explosion, and it can launch burning oil like a mini volcano. So hopefully everyone watching was careful last week and didn't start any turkey explosions. <clears throat> Yeah, so defrost your turkey. Put right. it in the fridge. Let it come to room temperature before yeah. you put it in the oil. If you that. didn't defrost your turkey in time, I'm sorry. There's don't nothing. It. Don't deep fry it. Just don't. Don't do it. Oh, but now I want deep fried Thanksgiving turkey. So delicious. All right. This is our last one. More turkeys. Okay. Turkeys. You know them, you love them, you eat no. them. Some call turkeys the chicken of the ground, while I call them the chicken of exit 27A on I-5. Seriously, this place has more turkeys than people. But how did this tasty, festive little bird come to be? The ancestor of the modern turkey, which we know and love, originated in Mexico. The wild variant, known as M. Galapavo, shares a name with my fucking cousin M. Galapavo. Kick your ass. M. Galapavo's <laughs> wild variant is what you would probably know as just a wild turkey. This big fella, he just walks around and gets in the way and is stupid. But there is evidence of turkey yeah, domestication that's... nearly 2,000 years ago. There have been remains of turkey bones found in the ruins of the Jaguar Par Par. The Jaguar Paw. Ja fuck me. There have been remains of turkey bones found in the Jaguar Paw Temple in Guatemala. This Mayan site indicates that turkeys were not only kept there and possibly sacrificed, but also that they were fed and bred in captivity. This evidence is deduced from the fact that turkey feces found at the site has the remains of corn in it. This indicates archaeologists that ancient Mayans were feeding the turkeys cornmeal as a sort of feed. What's fascinating is that this find is nearly 500 miles away from the maximum natural extent of this wild species of turkey, meaning that this bird was a valuable trade commodity for various groups in South America. Furthermore, hundreds of miles north in Cedar Mesa, Utah, there is evidence that turkeys were domesticated and fed maize by ancestral Puebloans. This is the oldest evidence of turkey domestication in North America, however, dating back to be about 1,800 years old. By about 1,000 years ago, turkey domestication was incredibly common. And by the time Spanish explorers arrived, turkeys quickly became a sought-after commodity in Europe. So this evening, when you sit down with your family to a turkey dinner, or you sit down with a brick of tofurkey, remember the humble beginnings from which that little bird came from. Maybe say an extra little prayer for the flock of turkeys which terrorized Exit 27 on I-95. I'd like to thank my patrons for making- He's That's funny. hilarious. He is funny. I like it. <laughs> oh. F me as he's trying to <laughs> write. Like, I feel that so hard. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's really cool. I, 
Yeah. Okay. Random. I'm sure a lot of people know that. But Ben Franklin wanted our national bird to be a turkey. Yeah. (laughs) I I think he knew something though. He knew we were gonna be slow and stupid in the future. (laughs) He's like, listen, it's only gonna go down from here, so you might as well just call them what they are. Bunch of turkeys. Yeah. The the people in the White House now are a lot more turkey and a lot less bald eagle. Yes. My drift. That's you. I'm picking up what you're laying down. But those turkeys are like, they're huge. They and I huge. get why they'd be such an important commodity because they have more meat on them yes. as opposed to a chicken. Absolutely. <clears throat> There's much more meat. They're easy to domesticate. Right. They're so um, stupid. Because they're so dumb. The but they're also, mean. chickens are mean. I mean, turkeys can be too, for sure. And I mean, when they are mean and they're bigger. that That's probably scarier. <gasps> like, I rave about how my family has this turkey farm, but I'm not going to lie. I hate birds. If you've watched 10 seconds of anything we've done... <laughs> You'll know that we hate birds. Yes. Facts. It's so funny. Like you grew up around turkeys. I grew up around chickens and they're just like the worst things ever. I hate <gasps> them. They're evil. They're they are evil. Satan. I don't feel bad when I eat them. No, not at all. And I don't, I don't enjoy the butchering process by any means. But when I get it on the plate, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> See, this is the thing that people need to appreciate about where their food comes from. Maybe yeah. they'll stop putting their chickens in dresses and their turkeys in mustaches or whatever and recognize Ugh. that these things are made to eat. so delicious. Yes. And yes, some of them can be great and you can pick them up and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I'm just not that person. Yeah. Kudos to anybody who is. I'm just, it's not me. Yeah. Want to talk about the Uncanny Valley? Their eyes. Oh my gosh. There it is. Psychopaths and chickens. They have murder in their eyes. Like you just, they stare into your soul. They got those big old talons. They're going to claw your eyes out. Tiny little raptors and feathers. There's a reason you. we say they descend from dinosaurs, dragons, whatever. <laughs> this is fun, though. I always love doing these. Me too. We never know what's going to come up. <laughs> never know what random thing is going to come out of our mouths next. Nope. Nope. Who knows? That's the fun part. It is. <laughs> Un- Jess and Elise, unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So until next time, friends, stay quacky, and we'll see y'all on the next one. See you next time. Thank you.